Ladies and gentlemen, we are in a new year. Uh, things are starting to get to somewhat of a little bit of a new normal, hopefully. Um, but the NLX2 podcast is still rolling hot and heavy, and there's no difference today. Um, I introed earlier, kind of telling you guys who this person is, how what they are to me, um, and it's been something that we've been very interested in doing. Um, it kind of came to me, came to mind over Christmas, but a huge, a massive topic in lifestyle, in yoga, in fitness, in performance, in whatever lifestyle is the aspect of being a vegan or any type of dieting or lifestyle. And so I thought I would get somebody on here much smarter than myself about that experience. Um, I've never done it. I always, I always talk about the research, talk about what's there, but I've never had the experience. Um, I don't know if I want to, but we'll, we'll see. I mean, maybe, but so today I got my, uh, I got my older sister, Chantel Alcarez. Um, we grew up together. We caused havoc together. They pushed me downstairs in a laundry basket, which explains quite a bit now, but, um, I'm very excited to have my my older sister on, my older little sister on. And so um I'll kind of just take it away, introduce yourself a little bit, and then we'll uh we'll hit the ground running. Nice, uh nice introduction. Um yeah. Yeah, so I'm Colby's um older sister, 10 years older. And um we did grow up together and then I I um ended up leaving um, the U S, um, when I was, you were around, I think probably like 13, 14, Somewhere 13, maybe. There. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, um, I started traveling, um, became a yoga teacher. I studied Ayurveda, um, the philosophies of yoga. Um, I have background in some traditional Chinese medicine and, um, the Nada um, acupuncture protocol, lots of different philosophies and science sciences sort of merging into my aspect of knowledge and passion um, for what I do. I run an online Ayurvedic um, program, year-long um, program, and yeah, I'm, I'm excited to be here and to have, you know, the the experience of um, both vegetarianism and veganism, especially um, while living in India, where that is part of the culture. And so you feel the expectation of, of that. So Definitely. I'm, I'm excited to talk about this. Yeah, I, I think it's irresponsible for me to, one, I can, I can provide research and I can do that stuff, but I think it's irresponsible for me to um, have a conversation when I haven't done anything like that. And so that's a big reason why I wanted to push and do that. And I know it's, it can be intimidating or hard to talk about at some point, but I, I think you're, I think people can learn from your journey, um, throughout travel and everything. And so, um, for people that don't know, um, were you in fifth grade when you got diagnosed with cancer? No, I think I was in third, the end of third grade or Third, fourth grade. Okay. So my sister was diagnosed with leukemia when leukemia was still a very scary cancer in 2021. Very scary cancer back then. 
very, very scary. Um, and from my outside perspective, being so young at the time, um, I didn't know what was going on. She was bald. So I would put lotion on my head, which was not bald. Um, uh, there was a lot of, a lot of crazy things, but we did what we had to do. And so biggest thing, me seeing it from the outside, like you were so close to death. You were so close to something very permanent that travel kind of elicited you feeling more alive kind of thing. And maybe I'm, maybe I'm off, but I think that's what kind of pushed you towards that. And so I kind of want to ask that question, um, first and foremost, like very honestly, what pushed you into traveling the world for how many years was it? Well, 12 full years being away from family, knowing nobody and just traveling all different countries. And so what was that for you? I think it was a few things. And I think you are probably right in terms of, I think when your life is, is um, threatened at a young age, I think one of the things was the desire to see a different type of, of health modality or um, medical modality because the the treatment of cancer at that time and still is very very hard and harsh on the system and it's like it pushes you to the edge of death and you you know and they hope you recover they kill all the cells to try to kill the cancer and in hopes that you're strong enough to rebuild yourself after um and i i think also you know the the logistics of family life that was really overwhelming for us growing up. Mm -hmm. I feel like I needed to figure out who is Chantal, what does she have to offer outside of Wyoming, outside of the expectations of um, getting married and having the house and the kids and the job and the health insurance and all the things. I feel like part of me also because of that experience needed to rebel against what I saw and knew. Yeah. And I think I did a, a good job. At, um, <laughs> I don't think anybody would argue that. that point. Um, <laughs> and I, I, I think all three of us did just saying you Chantel or you Courtney and myself, I think all three of us did rebel to some extent, but in a very good way too. Um, mine was, the journey that brought me to where I'm at now, drug addiction and rebelling that route. Um, but I learned also from both sides, it's not one-sided, both sides, some aspects of what a great parent is and some aspects of what I didn't want to be in a parent. And so I think you, I think you have to flip the switch and look at it like that. And I being, I mean, I was at a pivotal time in my life. Um, Courtney was still at home but you were traveling the world. Um, and then I became very close to Courtney and then she left for college and that's a very hard time. That's what I'm going through right now with Peyton. I mean, it's, it's a very hard time, but I, I kind of figured that was what it was like our family life for people that don't know it was far from normal, whatever normal is. I mean, it, it, it was crazy. And so, um, I, I kinda, I envied, I envied you being able to go travel and do that stuff. And there was very positive and very negative aspects of it. And, uh, at that point, where did you take off to right away when you left the U S the first time I left the U S I just went to South America. I went to South America. I, 
I say like just like it's not <laughs> exactly. I went to Texas. Um, it was wonderful actually, and um, I went to South America, spent time in Argentina and Peru, just those two, and then, and I really wanted to experience what the culture was, so I didn't really want to travel a lot actually, and I I rented a, an apartment in downtown Buenos Aires and just to see like, what is the culture here? What are the people like? What do they do every day, all day? And just sort of finding myself in that mm-hmm. rhythm. Um, walked, did the Machu Picchu trek when I went to Peru, which was super, super beautiful and super hard. And then actually moved out to Hawaii for a little bit for a few months before I went to um, the Philippines. And then I, then the whole, Antarctica journey began and wow and so so So, from there from South America to Antarctica and then South America to Maui I was there for not even a year Maui to um the Philippines the Philippines to and Antarctica okay wow it's like two extremes you go to like living in islands to living on ice exactly me being at that age too, I just got, I just got one, I was getting funneled one story from what like you would tell mom, like, Hey, I'm here or I'm here or I'm there. And so like, that's new for me. I didn't know that you went from South America to Hawaii to all the way to Antarctica. And it's, it's, it's cool to, it's cool to see. Cause I know very basically like some of the stuff you got to do, like, I know that you were involved with dragon boat racing for a while, correct? I did six months of dragon boat racing. Yeah. I've never had such an awesome six pack. <laughs> <laughs> Those are some animals. Those are animals. Yeah. Yeah. We trained for five hours every day. Oh like gosh. it was so intense. I've never done anything like it. By the end, I damaged my, my ribs where I could barely like breathe on one of the sides. Like, cause you pick a side and you, sh- you rate, you row on that side. Oh. And so we would consistently over um, train on one side. And, Man. Yeah. But I, I was at a point where I didn't realize like the wall of muscle that I built in my abs was like, I couldn't slouch if I tried. Yeah. It was pretty awesome. I've, I don't think I've ever been that fit. No, that's, I've, I mean, I college rowers, colo, college polo players, like, those are some crazy individual swimmers. Anybody that has to deal with that uh, great equalizer in water, it's it's astronomical. I yeah. If you could pinpoint it, and I know it's hard. Uh, even when I went to Europe, I went to Germany, Switzerland, Italy, just the whole peninsula. I couldn't pin what my favorite was. But what were some of the what were some of the highlights? What were some of your favorite places that you were at? I think the Philippines was pretty magnificent because it was um, it was my first time in a, in a, where I had the really aware, like the awareness of the culture being very different. Mm-hmm. Um, but I but the but we could still like most of the people that I spent time with still spoke English, so I could still feel um, like I could communicate really easily and you know, being able to be a part of their community where I was the only person that was not Filipina that was on their team. And they took me in like, I was, you know, just the same as them and and training. And um, that was pretty incredible. 
to feel such like such a part of that community mm-hmm. and living on the on the island. Um, but I have to say that I mean I think anyone that knows me knows how how deeply impactful living in India was for me. Even if a lot of times I absolutely hated it and would complain about everything, the the things that I complained about were the things that I missed when I wasn't there. Um, Because they were so opposite of what I grew up in. And, and, um, And I think that's another reason why I left is I really felt like in order for me to grow and figure out what I love, I need to have the experience of being challenged in my everyday life. And I chose the right country mm-hmm. for that. Yeah, no kidding. At that point in India, your life took on quite a bit of challenges to some extent, mm-hmm. um, being sick. Uh, and that's kind of when you really dove into, and I know you had already studied and got into yoga, but that's really when it flourished, correct? Mm-hmm. There in India. Um, I, I, I find it very interesting because I think I can learn, I can take stuff from you. You can take tough stuff from me, but it's really cool that I get to tell people like you were in one of the most authentic areas for yoga and getting to learn from these types of people. And some of the stories mm-hmm. that I've heard that, I mean, just the one you told me over Christmas, the whatever they did, the annual cleansing that they would do. Uh, oh man, just crazy stuff. People <laughs> shoving toilet paper all the way down their throat. Not toilet the, paper, muslin cloth. Well, yes, our toilet paper, I guess, whatever it is. It's crazy, but I, I, I find it interesting. Nobody gets to do that. People here, you take a 200 hour yoga certification and you are what would be considered a yoga instructor. Uh, we talked and you brought up a very, a very good point. And I kind of want to start into your journey of veganism or being a vegetarian too. I know it started here and it started all the way through your travels because that's, that's the way of life and that's what they're used to. And that's, that's how they do things. And so kind of start us down that journey of how it started and the pressures that you felt that we talked about to uphold that standard. Yeah. And and I was really thinking about it the other day and I was like, what was the first spark of, because it, at first it sparked from curiosity. It sparked from curiosity too, because I think it became, at the time it was becoming like this, this alternative way of, of living. It was a cool thing to do. It wasn't, um, for me in the beginning, it wasn't so much of the pressure it became that later, mm-hmm. but I was thinking about it. What really pushed me over the edge into it was when I, when I went to Australia. So I went to India after Antarctica, India, and then Nepal. And then I went to Australia and I got a job or a volunteer position with Sea Shepherd. And they are required to be, while they're on the ship, you're required to be vegan. Wow. And yeah. So what I experienced, and I, I thought about this a lot is I showed up and I had a leather braid in my hair that one of my friends had put in my hair and I immediately got backlash and judged by a one, one woman. And she's like, what is that? Is that, is, is that, that leather? leather? Oh my gosh. Yeah. And I, I was like, wow, I am intimidated by this whole setup. And so I took it out. 
And then I got backlash from people being like, why are you like, don't, don't let people push you around. Like if you like it, you could have left it in. It's okay. But what I realized is there was a culture and they were, we walked downtown and there, there was this bullying almost of people that weren't vegan. And I think a lot of it's the experience I had. And I don't want to say that this is every single animal rights activist by any means, because I think they have massive hearts. Mm -hmm. But my experience is they were so deeply impacted, inspired to support veganism that they would treat people poorly if that's not what they believe instead of educating. And there was a lot of that, but I saw a lot of the other side and, and um, I kind of felt like I got pressured into it then. And I had already studied some yoga at that point and I had already been to India once. And I, I remember actually sneaking off the ship every once in a while with, um, with a friend and we would go eat eggs and bacon somewhere else mm -hmm. and then sneak back on and not let anybody know. Rebel. You know? Yeah. Where you feel like you're being pressured into something and you're not quite sure why you're doing it. Yeah. So you obviously aren't fully in yet. Um, if you're going to go sneak off and go to a cafe and eat bacon and eggs and then you come back and they're like, what did, where did you go? <laughs> you know? Oh man. <laughs> That's, that's uh, on any yeah so i think that was the first my first kind of push on any bell curve meaning on any extreme on anything in any sector fitness dieting uh business uh politics mm -hmm. red and blue mm -hmm. um there's these there's these extremes and a lot of times it gets a bad rep because of the extremists. Uh, a lot of what powerlifting does or politics always get a bad rep because the extremists and veganism and vegetarianism is gets a very bad rep because of that. Uh, people getting pressured in, people doing it for the wrong reasons. And I believe in my heart because I, I don't know where I got it, but I have a soft spot for animals, dogs, this, these kind of stuff that. I, I really do have a soft spot and I see that moral dilemma in people. Uh, mm -hmm. But a lot of people get into it for the wrong reasons, get pressured into it. That's just the same thing as that's why a lot of people call vegan a cult. Um, that's why a lot of people call types of training modalities, cults, powerlifting, mm -hmm. CrossFit, whatever. They all are the very extremes and I don't think that's a bad thing. I think we need those people. I really do. I really think that we need those people, but it's hard once you get that culture pushed on you. Cause I was set aside when we were on the phone the other day and you said, as a yoga instructor in, in the, the basis of yoga in India, um, you, you felt pressure to uphold this standard. And mm -hmm. I was trying to think about that in my profession. And a lot of people look and say, Hey, your title is a strength and conditioning coach. Well, you need X, Y, and Z. You need to be bald. You need to have a beard and you need to be really big and muscular, whatever it is. And I, I just kind of got anxious about that. Like having to fit this mold that you were trying to escape from. And so it was, it was kind of a weird realization for me that I didn't, I didn't think about that. That didn't ever come across my mind. And so kind of explain those pressures a little bit um, people expect out of you. 
Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. So after I, I lived in Australia, I, I left and then I came back and then I left again. And when I left, I went back to India to study deeper into yoga. And I stayed in an ashram. And m- the majority of the food that you'll find in India is um, is vegetarian. They will do dairy products as dairy is like um, a healing medicine in the philosophies and teachings of Ayurveda. Um, but there's a lot of veganism as well. And um, I, as I, as I began to study and we had our full, our diet was fully, um, fully vegetarian. And I've lived in a city that you actually can't have. They don't have meat. So there's one section of the city where you can go to that's just for Western people that has meat, but nobody's supposed to know about it. Um, in the, yeah. Um, and alcohol as well. It's the city where you, there's, there's, it's illegal to sell meat or alcohol except for in this tiny little area that only Westerners are allowed to go to. Crazy. Um, right. Where, yeah. And so, it became something that I was regularly experiencing. And so it, it became, I became to realize that it's a part of the culture of the country that I'm living in. And maybe I should respect that. Um, and over time, as I began to study and teach more, I began to realize that the expectation of me was that I was vegetarian or not a question of are you but that I was and so I began to feel the pressure that that is who I'm expected to be so I better live up to that and that was I think also where I was really trying to find my voice as a teacher and I wasn't grounded and confident in myself enough to not need to please everybody and eventually I grew through that for sure but that's a big push where we feel like we want everyone to like us our class um who we are what we stand for and and in the end we sell ourselves still there sis I, you, you cut out at the very end, but I got, I got the gist. Can you still hear me? Yeah. Awesome. Sorry. No, yeah. you're fine. You're fine. I was thinking about me putting your shoes on in that same, in that same spot. I would have been in the same shoes. It's the respect of the culture that if you're, if you're going to live and breathe and learn that culture, why not? And that's, yeah. that's where. I, I, I don't, I can't draw that very fine line. Like this is bad. I don't, I don't think that I can't draw that line because we talked about it. It actually suits some people better. It can, uh, if you're doing yeah. it very well. And so from that point, um, we'll get into kind of you, you coming back to the States, uh, you, you got very, very sick and, uh, coming back to the States, was it, was it, you, you wanted to get back to your roots or you wanted, you feel like you were designed to be a meat eater or was it adopting the U S culture again? These are really good questions. So 
I'm going to back up a tiny bit because what happened was over the years, I started to feel like my tissues in my body started becoming tired while I was living over there. And I started to notice that my body had cravings for things that were probably trying to fill the place of the protein that I was lacking, um, the fats that I was lacking. Um, and growing up in Wyoming, it's something that is consumed regularly um, and in very healthy ways. Like a lot of the meat we consume is from hunted animals yes. um, where, you know, it's not um, factory um, animal, you know, that's being eaten as much. But so I, I was there for quite a few years. And then one year I decided to stay and I was in the north and in the north the Tibetans um, have come down and from Tibet and most of the area is, is mix of Tibetans and, and Indians. And in that culture, they eat a lot of meat. They eat a lot of um, mutton, which is like old sheep. Okay. Um, I don't really like that explanation of it, old sheep, but, <laughs> um, but I was working with and studying with a Chinese doctor from Australia, Chinese medicine doctor from Australia. He was not Chinese. And he was doing acupuncture clinics for Tibetans for free. And I was studying from him. And so I was helping him in these clinics. And he was giving me acupuncture regularly, taking my calls regularly. I was regularly going to Tibetan doctors because I was feeling very, very, very tired. I had no energy and I was living in this place where you have to walk like you have it's, it's the mountains and so you're consistently walking from village to village through the mountains and I was always exhausted and he came to me one day to kind of sum it up the whole experience after I was just like I feel I feel terrible and he said Chantal your body desperately needs me and I had been to the Tibetan doctors not long before that and they do your pulse they check your tongue and they have you bring your pee in in like a, a bottle and they just look at it and shake it and mm-hmm. they don't test it for anything they just look at it and the doctor said to me when are you going home wow and i was like excuse me and she's like your body doesn't want to be here the food is not for you the cold um, the weather is not for you the climate is not for you the elevation is not for you whoa um yeah. And so I was like, well, I can't go home because I'm working, you know, like I just put it off. Well, when this doctor was like, Chantel, he's like, your body needs meat. And he finally talked me into trying it. And it had been years. It had been so many years. And what happened is he took me to a restaurant, a Tibetan restaurant, ordered me mutton, and I was sucking on the bones of the meat he thought i was going to get sick and throw up maybe and i was like he's like you're and you look like an animal and i just devoured it i was like sucking on the bones and afterwards i was like oh my god like why was i depleting myself in a way that made no sense wow for something you know and then after that was that was when i was starting to get really really sick and i ended up having a lot of parasite issues and had to come home to the U S to heal. And I desperately needed the energy that was 
in me to help my body heal, my gut heal. Um, and it took a few years and a lot of experimenting and studying different things and trying different things, but I got, I got better and I definitely never stopped eating meat after that. Mm -hmm. It's, it's, it's just like riding a bike. I mean, it's, it gets us into who's built for it and who's not. And that's very interesting. I never heard that story before. Hi buddy. I've never heard that story before that she's like, maybe your, your, your body's not built for this culture that your body's not built for this food. That's, that's very no. interesting. Uh, because a lot of what a lot of nutritional research is going to nowadays is your genetic nutrition. Where did Chantel Alcarez's lineage come from? And maybe mm -hmm. that's the diet that, that you should be more consistent with. And I find that highly interesting. And Possibly there's many different things that could have been happening at that time, many different things that you were going through. And I mean, vi vitamin deficiencies is just a big mm. one that people, oh. people go through. And so I'm pulling up something. You won't be able to see it. Um, but all the people on the video will hear just kind of going over what can happen with this. And like I said, there's no fine line, but there's a few things that can happen when doing this and we need to be, make sure that we're doing it right. So very, very, very basically the big thing that gets all the attention is lacking vitamin B12. So we're, mm. we're not consuming the vitamin B12 we need to function to, to, uh, I mean, cellularly function. And that causes a slew of issues. If I can pull this up here, a slew of issues. And so there's a lot of things that come with that vitamin B, vitamin A, vitamin D being very important in your culture there, you're outside most of the time. So vitamin D might not have been that big of an issue. Then we but it get, was the monsoon, the, the time of the monsoon oh, where it was raining most of the time that I really started to get really sick. Interesting. Very interesting. So it came into play, you know, it's a lot of different factors come together. And a big one that I look at when I'm doing my research and I'm talking about, Hey, I, you want to go to be a vegan is EPA and DHA. These things play mm. a massive role in every single thing that we do. And this is something that I've supplemented for years because I can't eat enough food to get the levels that um, are sufficient. And so I was, I was running by some research. One is a good, very good research, uh, Article thousands, twenties of thousands of uh, people that did this test. And then the other one is a very sad story of um, people in Florida. But very basically, going a very strict vegan diet showed, and I, I'm pointing it out up here on the screen, compared with people who ate meat, um, vegans with lower calcium and protein intakes on average had a 43% higher risk of fractures in the body. So bones, mm. so you're, you're very, you're very low in calcium and this is site specific and whole bone. I mean, this is, this is very scary stuff and I will bring it back around when we talk about performance and a lot of these athletes, Cam Newton being one of them went vegan, got a slew of injuries and then realized kind of the same realization you came to. Maybe this isn't the right way. And this gets to education for me. It gets to what you said. There was the education, but it was more do this, 
And this is why, because this is why we do it. Mm-hmm. And being able to educate an entire populace is impossible, but a lot of good people that are doing it for my listeners out there, Rob Wolf, the original OG, when it comes to paleo diets, uh, my boy, Rob, he's a good dude. He knows what he's talking about. And a lot of other people, Chris Kresher, um, a lot of good people out there that are doing research for it. Very sadly, we're lacking. So think about this for a baby. Think about this. Um, we're lacking vitamin A, vitamin D, B12, EPA, DHA, a bunch of different stuff that can cause neurological issues. But then let's look at it from a baby standpoint, a newborn baby. And this is this is sad. In um, Florida, obviously, Florida's f- flipping crazy. Um, in 2019, a couple was charged with murder. Um, a vegan couple was charged with murder after they starved their baby because all they fed them was raw fruits and vegetables. So this is my argument. This is where I get, um, not emotional, but emotionally invested. If, if a baby cannot sufficiently live off of this vegan um, way of life off raw fruits and vegetables, quite possibly our genetic makeup isn't made for it. Quite possibly. So there's obviously different genetic materials. There's different ways that we can get around this, but at the very root, taking out all of their cofactors, this baby in Florida was unable to live due to that. And They said that the weight was equivalent. What was it? The weight of the baby was 17 pounds, which this was a, this was a two-year-old baby and the weight was only 16 pounds, um, which is very, very scary. That's. He he weighs over 16 pounds and he's five and a half months. Yes. Very, very, very scary. That's good breast milk, sis, right there. (laughs) (laughs) so that's where I get it is we need to look at it very basically and very ethically because I get the, I get the moral argument behind it. I really do. I am a softy when it comes to this kind of stuff. So I really do get that. Um, but at the same time, we need to make sure we're doing what we can for ourselves. And then that gets us to very on in closing is getting to veganism and performance. And this is where I really get emotionally invested because this is what I do making the best Mm -hmm. athletes that we can. And so a big one that people for all the listeners out there is people have watched the documentary, what the health, and this took the world by storm. Um, the, the producer one has his own vegan vegetarian supplement company. So obviously he's trying to push that agenda Two. It was handpicked. Everything was very, very handpicked. He had these very anecdotal studies, um, this, these studies that didn't just put all the puzzle pieces together. He was taking and not showing the whole picture. And so he made some very, very crazy claims saying that um, he would show these famous people such as Cam Newton, some, some of these uh, huge bodybuilders and powerlifters and say, hey, these guys are doing it. Why can't you? And it's, it's, it, you're not getting everything. These guys were on steroids. They're on anabolic steroids while eating vegan food. So it doesn't, it doesn't correlate very well. So in over 2.5 million years ago, our, our human race went on and decided, Hey, we need to, we need to find something else. 
And this is a hypothesis, but 2.5 million years ago is when we saw a huge, massive increase in brain size in the humans. And so we saw this change in dietary preferences and meat was introduced. And that was what helped us catapult us to where we're at today. And so I know that uh, this is very condensed. I wanted to spend most of the time on your story because people need to hear somebody that's been on both sides. They don't need to hear me being a meathead eating a pound of ground beef a day. They don't need to hear that. They need to hear the people that have actually done it. And so very basically my, my call or my, my objective or my opinion on veganism performance is very negative. I don't think that's something that needs to be done. Is there a way that we can optimize that for you? Yes. Is that a different macro set? Is that paleo Mediterranean, whatever it is. And so that's my take on it for performance. That's where we can really dive into it if you guys have questions. Um, but other than that, I would have been in the same exact shoes you were. And it's just the culture that you were put into, I believe. And so um, I, I really, really find it interesting, the stories that I was too young to know. Like dragon boat racing, this doctor, this monsoon season, it's really cool to see and hear. And uh, I appreciate I appreciate that. And do you have anything else on that end or do we want to close this up? Yeah, the, the, I guess the something that I would like to say to, 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 to close is that I found that when I nourish myself in a way where all of my tissues are nourished um, and, I'm, and I'm digesting my food well, then I am more able to show up in my life and on this earth, really able to do the work that I'm supposed to do. Mm. What it also has made me do is more consciously choose the proteins and the meat that I consume in a more conscious way, which I think is really important. But if we all could live in that way that we we nourish our bodies in ways that really support who we want to be and how we want to show up, then we contribute in a way that's clear and clean and we make better choices about the foods that we eat anyway. Yep. That's interesting. That's not the American way. That's, you know, like you're, you're being very selective with what you're wanting to do. Uh, that's not the American way, which I think is probably the healthier route in all honesty. So I, 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 I probably learned more than most of the people that are listening to this. So I, I, I really do appreciate it, sis. Um, hopefully we can, uh, just a little sneak peek. Uh, my sister's husband or gonna, he's, uh, he's big into the Wim Hof method. Okay. For all you guys out there, I'm going to put this on the record so that he's forced to do it. Um, Uh he's big on the Wim Hof method. And if you guys don't know what that is breathing method. And so we're going to have him on here soon. Uh, thanks you again. Very, very much. I appreciate it. We'll have to, uh, We'll have to do this another time. Sound good? Yeah, I love it. Awesome. Yeah, thank well, you. I love you, sis. And um, NLX2 crew, I hope you guys list, learned something. And uh, if you guys have questions, please reach out. This was a podcast that was from a listener that wanted to get this answer. And so hopefully this helps. Um, and we will see you guys next week on the NLX2 podcast. And leave us a review. If you don't like it, just literally leave a bad review. I really don't care. Just leave me five stars. That's all I need. So <laughs> I, I appreciate it. We'll, uh, we'll chat with you later, sis. Okay. 
Okay. All right. Love you.